And I'm Howie Silberger. This is the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. So proud to be here with you. So happy you're here with me uh, here on this great Sunday evening for the Howie Silberger Show. You could feel free to call in. The number is to call 1-877-669-1292. That's 1-877-669-1292. You can get in on the conversation. The lines are continuously open. They're always open. Right here on the Howie Silberger Show. I don't know what the lines continuously open mean, but uh, we'll, 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 well go with it. That makes two of us, especially when you're proudly. We'll, we'll go with it. We'll go with it. The lines are continuously open. I mean, I, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure what that means, Sheldon. I, I, I don't know. The lines You're not are, sure what that that means. That was your intro. Yeah, the lines are continuously open. Was my intro? Yeah, continuously open. Okay, yeah, continuously. I remember. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Continuously. You can't have this kind of fine broadcasting anywhere, folks. You heard it here first. I tell you, the prep Probably that goes into this show. The lines are continuing open. <laughs> the, yeah. the prep that goes into the scripting of the show is unbelievable. I was just telling that to my significant other. I said you wouldn't believe the prep. Unbelievable what we have written down a bunch of notes right in front of me right now saying I'm this is exactly what I'm going to say on the Howie Silberger show. Uh, I, Loudly, I, by the way. I, I actually don't work that way, but uh, Sheldon does. You know, he's a little older than me, and uh, the brain doesn't work as well sometimes. You know, you know the way it works. Uh, what did you just say? I sometimes can, I can't sometimes you get a little sorry. older. He had his birthday last week. Touch this. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. Wrong format, buddy. Oh, come on, Sheldon. <laughs> feel the noise. Come on. Feel the noise. All right, one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two is the number to call. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. Uh let's get into something a little more serious. Uh, I want to talk Please. about death. This is a little oh, more serious. That's real serious. Okay. It's a little more serious than uh than 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 um than what we're talking about. Uh right. somebody. So this week, uh this week we, we we've been bombarded with the story about the 21 bodies found um, in, in a residential school in New Brunswick. And we've been, um, and we've been hearing this story and we've been seeing uh, the outpouring of grief over these people who died 50 years ago, maybe 60 years ago, and the outpouring of grief and then, uh, and then, and then the self-castration and the, and, the, uh, and, and, the, um, and the people whipping themselves over this. And I, I can't help but think that it is a tragic that these children died in the residential schools, but it's not shocking that they would find bodies of children who died in residential schools. It is, it is tragic that our Canadian history is filled with this kind of oppression of people. It's, it's, it's unbelievably tragic, but it's not surprising. Uh, it, is, it, is, it is absolutely horrific that people lived through this, but once again, not surprising. And the freakout that we've seen over the last uh, couple of days after the uh, discovery of these bodies seems to me a little over the top. It seems that every couple of years, uh, they, they, something happens, some catalyst happens where the aboriginals in, uh, in Canada, who have a legitimate beef against the country, a legitimate beef against the people, they were treated really badly, uh, somehow find a reason to go and attack Canada again. And it seems like every five, six years, something comes up, some event that happened 50 years ago, 60 years ago, 40 years ago, arises, and, and a big kerfuffle comes about, and, uh, and the government changes their negotiator with the aboriginals, so Jeff Kelly was just appointed the, uh, the negotiator for the aboriginals, and, and things, things change, and then it all dies down, and then uh, we wait for the next big outrage, next big uproar, um, 
uh, you know, in three, four years, there'll be another big uproar. And it seems to be a little over the top. It seems a little contrived to me, a little contrived. And I'll tell you why. Not to take away from the uh, from the horrific event, not to take away from the tragedy of children dying. That's always tragic. No matter how long ago it happened, it's always tragic. Um, but it, it seems a little disingenuine. The the outrage and the and the sadness that is being expressed seems a little disingenuous, and it seems a little disingenuous because because we 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 are looking at at people who died sixty maybe seventy years ago, and, and fine they died we didn't know they died they found an unmarked grave I understand the whole story, but we have plenty of children that have died in the last year plenty of children have died in the last two years if we take a look at the uh, the war in Syria. If we take a look at the uh, at the war in Lebanon, if we take a look at the war in uh, Iraq and Iran, and in uh, Iraq and uh, Iraq Iran in Afghanistan, there are hundreds of thousands of children that have died, and this outpouring of grief has not has not absolutely not been expressed towards these children. Now, oppression is oppression. I don't care where it happens; it's wrong and it has to be condemned. And the death of children, no matter how long ago it happened, also has to be mourned. It has to be marked, and has to be, uh, and has to be recognized that this was an oppressive uh, regime that 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 took these children, ripped them away from their families, and put them into these homes, and these homes killed them. We 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 have to recognize that. We have to recognize that this was an evil that was done by uh, by by consecutive governments of the of the country of Canada. But we have to also put everything into perspective. And the perspective is that we have to mourn the death of all children that are oppressed and killed. And if we don't, and if we pick and choose which children and which oppression that we're going to we're going to fight about and which oppression we're going to be upset about, um, it, it kind of makes us a little a little hypocritical. It, it comes across as a little hypocritical. Now, I understand that you know the Aboriginal community being upset about this. I understand that some Canadians might be upset that their country was involved in something like this. But when you think about the Canadian involvement in wars of Afghanistan and the wars of Iraq and the wars of Libya, and how many Canadian soldiers went to fight in these wars, and how many bombs the Canadians dropped on innocent men, women, and children in these countries too, it is something we should be ashamed of. Uh, innocent people being killed uh, should be, is, a, is a shameful thing. And we should be ashamed of it. But we never talk about those deaths. And it always seems that that when this pops up and these, these issues with the Aboriginal uh, community, especially residential schools, which the Canadian government has apologized for, which retribution has been paid for, uh, which the Canadian government admitted they were wrong for. But these, these issues always seem to pop up around an election year. And it always seems contrived to me. It always seems a little strange to me that... Every time we have an election, there there is something that's discovered about some atrocity the Canadian government, you know, committed against the against the Aboriginals. And, and to me, to me, that's a little contrived. It's a little it's a little too timed. The timing is a little too perfect in these cases for me to say, you know what? Maybe, maybe, just maybe, maybe this was planned. Maybe this discovery was planned. Maybe, maybe, maybe. They're doing it to get rid of the liberal government. Maybe they want another government. Maybe somebody else made them better promises. And so this is why I'm always skeptical when, 
when these kind of things are found around the election times. And we know we're going to election in the next three, four months. There's going to be an election called. And now we have this um, now we have this hanging over the government's head. So the government's going to bend over backwards to try to apologize. And the media is going to bend over backwards to try to blame the government and try to uh, try to build up the empathy and blame, build up the sympathy. The hockey game will stop again, and they'll have another minute of silence for the twenty-one killed. Um, and uh, and and the deaths of people that we drop bombs on, and people that are allies like the Americans drop bombs on, uh, will still go unnoticed for forever. And that's that's really a bloody shame. Uh, so. If we're going to mourn the deaths of 21 young people who got killed 55, 60 years ago, maybe even 70 years ago, then we also have to mourn the deaths of the people who were killed by our troops and by our allies' troops last week, last month, last year, three years ago and five years ago. Failing to do that, then we're just hypocrites. Uh, that's, that's my say. one eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two is the number. Sheldon Eric Fried is here. You saw him before. He's back again. Hi, Sheldon. Hi, how you doing, buddy? How's it going? I am good, but uh, you know that, that's the way I feel about it. I, I, I really think that, um, that that sometimes we go over the top in the reactions to these things, and, and while while it is horrific and it is it is sad and uh, and it is a horrible thing that happened, at the same time we have to put into perspective that how many years ago it happened, and we have to put into perspective that uh, that that there's more horrific stuff happening today that we tend to ignore. I think there's a lot of horrific stuff that's going to be going on. And if I was, if I knew anybody in a residential school anywhere across Canada, I would, uh, you know, I would be really scared. Do they even exist anymore? I don't even think they exist anymore. I didn't even know they existed until I heard this story, Howie. I'll be totally honest. You didn't know I that there were residential no, schools? Uh, uh, pardon me? You didn't know residential schools existed in the 1940s and 50s? No, no, no. I'm saying now. Now. Like today. Right. I didn't think it was still like, you know, and all of a sudden it's like you don't hear of it. And all of a sudden residential school in BC, they found, you know, a, a mass grave of, of children. And I'm looking at this and I'm going, imagine if you're a parent. Yeah. And you and you sent your child to a residential school. And they look. They used to be even stuff with boarding schools that that used to go on throughout history. There used to be very strict boarding schools and the disciplinary ma uh, matters that at hand from the from some of the uh, from some of the top notch people in the school towards their kids. They would absolutely have such physical brutal punishments on the kids, and some kids would even wind up dying. And there'd be such a cover up. And it's like, you know, you talk about skeletons in your closet and you brought up a very interesting point that we're coming up to an election within the next three to four months. Yeah. And there's definitely going to be the steam on the engine rolling against the liberal government. Um, now, if if this was part of, let's say, because they're getting close to an election, it's hard to call it. You know, it, it, it's possible. Maybe it's not possible. I don't know. I, I, I don't know for sure. But uh, the timing is quite interesting. And then at the same time, yes, the liberal government is going to have to bend over backwards and they're going to have to do a lot of it. They're going to have to apologize and they're going to have to try to do whatever it is to make right. But you know what? Once a child's life is gone, you can't bring back a life. And I agree with you also, you know, when you take a look at all these senseless tra uh, tragedies of children around the world, maybe in Syria, maybe in Israel or any, you know, a, a blood of an innocent child is always... 
extremely emotional for anybody, and especially if you're the parent of that child or you knew a parent whose child was killed or severely injured. You know, a child is an innocent being, being, you know, uh, in conception and then, you know, being born and everything like that. And then just to see uh, children being killed. And it's, it's, it's just unbelievable that the senseless tragedies and the pain and the anguish, it's horrible. I mean, I don't even know what, what more I can say about it. No, it is horrible. And, uh, and at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we have to remember that all children's lives are equal and that we have to condemn the, uh, the unfortunate killing or murders of, uh, of all children. And so to pick and choose which children we're going to condemn the murders of it seems wrong to me. So, yeah, okay, in Canada we found these 21 bodies. We have to condemn that because uh, killings, the kids killed in residential schools was a terrible thing. The, res- the whole residential school idea was a terrible thing uh, for Aboriginals, th- pulling the kids away from their parents, throwing them into these schools, trying to integrate them into, uh, reg- into society and, and for them to lose their culture. The whole thing was horrific. That's fine. Yeah. I understand. That's fine. And we've, Canada as a country has apologized for that over many years. And they've paid restitution for that over many years. So to continuously drag Canada over the coals, over something they've apologized for, they've admitted they were wrong for, and they've paid monetary restitution for, is wrong too, in my opinion. I, th- I think it's wrong. Now, yes, of course, when, if you find 21 bodies under a residential school, it's newsworthy and the news should cover it. But to continuously drag the country over the coals over something that they've apologized for, paid restitution for, admit it was wrong. I mean, how much more could the country do to say we're sorry? Isn't this also the, the case when it comes to, to any kind of politics, no matter which side you're on, is if somebody does something wrong and they try to apologize, they own up, they take responsibility, which is, of course, what you should do, as we all should as adults. And they and like you said, they apologize or whatever, and they keep getting raked and raked and raked. And it's almost like, well, people make mistakes. Like, people will make mistakes and they will apologize. It's not a cover-up. The government did not yeah, the government it admitted they, it. They yeah, said, they yeah, admitted, we were wrong. They admitted, yeah, they admitted it was wrong. They apologized. There was no, no excuse. They were flat out as honest as you possibly can be, as honest as honesty as politicians could be. Let's face, let's face it that way. But, you know, it, it's uh, to keep getting raked over the coals. And I think it's because of the fact that it's three or four months. I think if it would have been a year or two years ago, um, they would have eventually just let it slide. Uh, but now, because it's getting close to elections, they want to put it into the voters' heads, and the opposition parties want to take that and steamroll it into the next election. And, and that's wrong, too, because now you're using the death of children to yeah. push a political point of view. And, I don't and, and agree you're exploiting with the death of children to yeah. push your political agenda. And that's yeah. even worse than, uh, than, than exploiting the... Than exploiting children to uh, to try to get concessions from a country, so yeah. that's that's even worse. So I mean, you know, the situation goes from bad to worse to to disgusting, very quickly. I think that uh, you know, I think people have to learn after a while. They have to back off. You know, uh, the apologies were made. Just move on, sweep on next. You know, go to something else. Go to something else. And and again, you know, we should all. You know, when, when obviously when the death of children happen, it, you know, it's not just here. It should be all over the world that people should, you know, people sh- should mourn 
and uh, put their people in their prayers and and obviously say, let's try to see what we can do to make sure these things don't happen again. Um, and you can't take isolated situations like you said, you know, 21 here and as senseless and as horrific as these deaths were. And imagine if you're a sibling and all of a sudden you're finding out that your your sibling is one of the 21 people that are in graves. I, I mean, well, what's that? What's that? What's that? 55 years, 60 years later, maybe even 70 years later, yeah. and uh, and you didn't know That's that your horrible. sibling was gone? Yeah. Come on. No, no, I mean... Come on. Come on, Sheldon. No, no, Let's no, be no. real. I don't, I don't mean it that way, but I'm just saying, like, you know... It's, it's not going to be a big surprise to anybody's sibling that uh, that their sibling was killed uh, if they haven't seen their sibling in 60 years. I don't think anyone's going to be overly surprised that their sibling was one of the 21 in there. But uh, maybe you could... Uh, uh, maybe go back in history or just try to get a little bit of a consensus. What what was the whole thing behind residential schools in the first place? So the government of Canada set up residential schools uh, just after Confederation, so just after 1867. Just after that, uh, to take the Aboriginals and to try to force them to be Canadian. So what they wanted to do was they put them in these schools, they put the children in the schools, to strip them of their culture so that they wouldn't know what the Aboriginal culture was. So if they were Mi'kmaq or they were um, Mohawks or they were Algonquins or Iroquois, they wouldn't, they wouldn't know what their history was. And by not knowing what their history was, they would become Canadian. And their that was parents the, would not be able to visit them? No, nope, like, nope, the nope. they, were, they were separated from their parents and that was it. They were, they were, they were on their own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Living in these schools and there was no access to their culture. And by having no access to their culture meant that uh, they thought that after a generation or two, uh, they, there would be no culture left of the uh, Amor wow. Indians, which would make it, uh, which would make them Canadian integrated uh, into a grand melting pot of Canada. And that was That's the idea. Horrific. That was the idea. So, um, you know, when Canada said they were multicultural and they came up with that idea probably in the, what, 60s, late 60s, mid 60s. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that included everyone except for the in the the Aboriginal tribes that lived here, because they were in wow. uh, residential schools and they were they were trying to be they were trying to assimilate them into society. It's unbelievable. So so it is horrific. I mean the whole the whole concept was horrific and condemnable, a hundred percent condemnable. But at the same time, uh, they dismantled those schools in the uh, in the early eighties. And then they paid restitution to the people who were in those schools in the uh, in the mid two thousand, in the mid twenties, in the mid two thousands. So, mm-hmm. um, so I'm not I'm not sure that uh, that we should still be scraping Canada over the coals over this. No, that's that's no, that's, that's the only argument I'm making on this is that I I really don't think that we should be uh, we should be scraping Canada over the coals on this. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, okay. So uh I think that at the end of the day at the end of the day, uh you know, we have to say how horrific these uh these deaths were and how horrific it is that any kid would be killed in a school. But uh we have to put it into perspective that these schools have been closed for what, thirty years, thirty five years. And uh, Wow. Just breaks it just breaks my heart when a child uh, when 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 that happens. It just breaks uh, my heart. So. I agree. It's 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 terrible. But, uh, yeah, so holding Canada responsible for this seems to me uh, a little bit of um, a, li- a little bit of an overkill. A little bit of overkill. That's, that's all I'm saying. 
Uh, okay, I want to move on to COVID because it's always important to talk about COVID. Uh, because COVID does know, you know, they know COVID knows everything. Especially when it comes to the watch, Howie. That's right. COVID knows. Now, but apparently in the evening, COVID can strike, but during the day, it can't. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how that works. Uh, Quebec reported fewer than 200 new COVID-19 cases on Sunday. That's today. With no new deaths due to the disease, the province added 179 new positive COVID-19 cases in the past 24 hours, bringing the overall total to 371,767 since the start of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So the last time the Quebec Institute of Public Health reported fewer than 200 new cases was September 8th, when 192 cases were added. The province also added no new deaths due to COVID-19 and reduced the overall number of deaths to 11,149 after a death was found not to be attributed to the virus. So, you know, they, they, they were doing that a lot. They were putting, you know, they were saying that COVID killed these people when it wasn't really COVID. Um, now, now, the question is, uh, okay, let's see one second. Uh, I wanted to go just down here where it gave me the numbers for Montreal. Where are the numbers for Montreal? Uh, Montreal. Montreal reported 57 new COVID-19 cases on Sunday. F- okay, 57 cases in Montreal. Wow, it really dropped. Wow. It really did. So, um how many people live in Montreal, Sheldon? Three million? Four million? Yeah, uh, yeah, but I guess Greater Montreal is probably four million, I would think. Montreal proper, about three million. Yeah. Okay, so we got three to four million people. Yeah, 57 cases and three to four million people. And yet we still can't walk around without a mask. We still can't, we still can't get together in large groups. We still can't do, you know, go back to life the way we're, we should be. Uh, I don't understand why we're still officially in the red zone until tomorrow. I think in a way I might know why. It makes no Um, sense. uh, Well, you know what? It's it. You're right. 100 percent right. Doesn't make any sense. But there's also a political, you know, a political mastermind. Uh, One second. One second. Stop. Stop. Stop for one second. Stop for one second. So, so we have to decide if we're going to talk about COVID as a as uh, as a political ploy. Or we're going to talk about COVID as a public health emergency. Because well, that's if the way I, that's the way it's supposed to be, public health. Because but if I'm, it's about politics, then why are we being punished for politics? Be, because the CAC was elected by less than one percent of the entire Montreal population. That's why. So, and Legault, uh, between that and Bill One Hundred One and everything else, Legault. The CAC and Legault has a uh, a motivated political hatred towards the city. So, so, so they're letting it out. Not, they're letting it out in these regulations. They're letting it out. Well, you just said it yourself, Holly. We're we're a city of three to four million people. If we have fifty-seven cases in Montreal out of the entire three and a half four million people, yeah, right. Okay, what else can it be? Because it's not because there's fifty-seven. Uh, people that are scattering diseases all over the place here. What else could it be? And it's fifty-seven positive. Fifty-seven, 57 people, we should have been in the yellow zone by it's now. 50, green. It's fifty-seven positive cases, yes. which means that they could be asymptomatic. It means they, you know, exactly. It could be anything, right? Fifty-seven positive cases. It could be so, false positives too. You don't know, right? So, so fifty-seven you, cases. So we both know, as we're both sitting here talking right now. Yeah. That this is not a medical thing. This is a political thing. But it should be a medical thing. Oh, if it was a medical it thing. Be a, but this is not a medical reason to shut, to put a city down, the economic development uh, 
engine of the entire province of Quebec to still put it into a red zone. And hey. now we're going to go into a yellow zone. It should have been green for crying out loud. And even green, you have restrictions. I don't understand. If it's a green zone, there's still restrictions. Well, green, I think, is very, I think you got you got to have a lot more gatherings and stuff well, like that. Well, not really. That, if you're having weddings or funerals, it's 50 people, max. For green for or green, yellow? Green. So I don't understand it at all. Uh, then I don't understand I don't understand, that understand it at all. Okay. Okay. It doesn't then make any sense. But but you could see it's obviously politically motivated. You can oh, tell yeah, right away. Sure. Well, all of There's... COVID, the entire COVID response was politically motivated. Uh, public health really had very little to do with what we were doing to fight COVID. Uh, masks had no no basis in science to wearing masks, the surgical masks, the procedure masks we were wearing. There's no basis in science for wearing those masks. And we found that out last week after uh, Anthony Fauci's emails were all released. You found out that the masks were really ineffective. The only thing that's been effective this entire time has been the uh, has been the um, has been the vaccines. The vaccines mm-hmm. are those is is what has knocked down the numbers. Nothing else has really been effective. So uh, social distancing, okay, fine. I mean, it helps stop the flu. It helps stop well, the spread. Well, also also hand washing. Hand washing is the was the main thing, really. Yeah, yeah, was hand washing and the vaccines. But forcing that was pretty much the but forcing people to wear masks and choking outside in masks. Forcing children to wear masks in school all day it was all yeah. pointless political garbage uh, and all there just to uh, just to appease and just it was the placebo effect. That's what they call it. In, in yeah, it was the placebo. Effect. It was a placebo yeah. effect. People felt they were doing something to fight the uh, the the uh, the pandemic. Right. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we know that the masks were 100 percent ineffective. There was no point in wearing the masks. At the end of the day, we know that uh, the only thing that really worked was the hand-washing and maybe staying away from each other. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and, and at the end of the day, we and know the vaccines, that yeah. the vaccines yeah. are the ones that is what is knocking down the, uh, the numbers. Look, I walked along St. Denny today with my significant other, and we were passing by different restaurants, so we passed by yeah. one particular establishment, and we saw people that were very, very close proximity to each other. A lot of them weren't even wearing masks. Yeah. And a lot of them were in close close proximity, and I could see it as we were walking by. We could see it, and my significant other, my significant other, and I were talking about it. And she said, "You know, it's 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 amazing, you know, like with all this thing about social distancing and all this stuff about social distancing, and and it seemed like people just didn't care. And it wasn't even the question. Like you could tell right away whose family, whatever, because parents had young kids. Obviously, the young kids themselves were not going to be by themselves, so they were together with the parents. But I saw other people, like teenagers, whatever. There were groups of four or six. I passed a couple of parks. They were having. 15, 20, 30 people together with a barbecue. I mean, come on. I, I, what do you think is going to happen? We're going to be uh, getting St. Jean-Baptiste a uh, provincial holiday, not that, you and, not that you and I or anybody else we know celebrate it, but you, you know what's going to happen on St. Jean-Baptiste with I am hundreds willing to of bet thousands you, of people, Sheldon. what's going to happen. I am willing to bet you. Um, There's going to be a spike. Sheldon, front, no, they won't. No, they won't. Not as bad as it was there before, won't. but there, there will won't be because seventy-five percent of Quebecers have been vaccinated at least once, so there's no spike. So, oh. uh, so what we're going to have, what's going to happen? I'll tell you. I'll tell you what's going to happen. Uh, and you mark my words, and we'll talk about it uh, next week. Um, on ja- on uh, June eleventh, Francois Legault's having a press conference. He's already announced it, and I'm pretty sure at that press conference he's going to announce the loosening of uh, of restrictions and allowing people to get together to party. That's what he's going to do. 
Uh, he's going to get rid of the color coding and allow people and say, look, the numbers are down to a point where, where we don't need this color coding anymore and we're going to allow people to get together and party. Because he's coming up to an election and he's going to want the nationalist vote. And the only way he's going to get the nationalist vote is if they're allowed to party on St. John Baptist Day, right? So if they uh-huh. can't if they can't party on the Fit Nasty Now, they ain't going to vote for him, period. So uh-huh. he's going to find a way to loosen the restrictions to a point where people are going to be able to get together and party. Because even if the restrictions are there, people aren't going to listen to it anyway. No, Especially when there's 57, 57 yeah. two, less than 200 cases in the entire province. How many people live in the province of Quebec? And there's yeah. less than 200 cases, right? Your chances of catching COVID now are very slim. Are oh, very slim indeed, yeah. So uh, I, I guarantee before St. John Baptiste Day, before the 24th of June, they will drop 90% of the restrictions they have. And if they don't, I guarantee anyway, they're still going to be. Of course, they're of still going to party. That's, that's so there's, there's no way. Either either there's going to be whether or not he lifts it or he doesn't lift it. You damn well both know we're, uh, they're not going to listen. No. For sure they're not going to listen. No, that's why I'm thinking he's going to lift it so that he doesn't have to start fining people. Because if he finds people to celebrate, celebrating the uh, Fête Nationale, it's yeah. going to be a political suicide for him. So he's going to have no choice but to lift it. And watch, watch. On, Jan- on June 11th, he's going to yeah, make Yeah, it, it makes sense. It makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, that's what I'm... And we see the numbers. Not, so, I mean, already the terraces are open. The restaurants yeah. are going inside. So we can see that and when you look a, at listen, when, when you look at the numbers, there's no reason to keep these restrictions. There, 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 there's really no, no, no reason for it. Uh, like tell next, me it makes any sense. Tell me it makes any sense that a hockey game at the Bell Center could have 1,500 people. 2,600, right. Uh, 20, it was 2,600 people. 2,600 people? Yeah, but a, over 2,000 people. But yeah. a religious service could only have 100. Well, that's it. But that's it, exactly. Explain Thank this you. to me. And a wedding exactly. could only have 50 or 25. Well, or a funeral could only have 25. Explain this to me. It doesn't make any the, sense. It's the, not logical. The Bell Center holds, Why, holds 20,000 people. Right. Why could 2,500 people go to the Bell Center, but I could only have three people? I could have nobody in my house, and I could only... And I, and I could only have eight people in my backyard. Outside, so where it's safe. You so explain this to me. Now? How many people can come to your household now? Zero. Yep, oh. zero. Oh, it's still zero. Okay. Zero. Okay. But eight, eight people eight people could come into my backyard. Okay, eight people can come in your backyard. Okay. But okay. 2,500 people can go watch a hockey game. Yeah. And my backyard's outside where it's safer. I know. That's my exactly. When, when I, I don't first get heard it. this, I said, "You've got to be kidding me." It doesn't make any sense. It's not even logical. I'm not even sure about the theaters, though. I don't even know what the theaters a are. A couple of hundred. Yeah, and uh, that's indoors again. It's it's not even logical. And you know, like I said right from the beginning, and I was very clear on this at the beginning, and I've been clear on this the entire way through. I don't mind following the rules. I'm not opposed to following the rules. It doesn't bother me when they make sense. When they are logical, I don't mind oh, following. Has any of this made any sense? None of this has made sense to me. It's never a been logical. It has been logical from the beginning. Yeah. Nobody's followed the science from the beginning. It's just been like a random hodgepodge of uh, I feel like doing this now, so that's what we're doing. It's just sad yeah. and scary. Yeah, the that people that were the people that were doing really well on this was the people that were manufacturing masks. Yeah. Yeah. All the PPE that's, equipment. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. They're manufacturing masks, of course, the pharmaceutical companies, but at least they came up with a vaccine that actually worked, is actually working. You know how many people I know who got into the mask business or the face shield business? 
Oh, yeah. They were doing other things, and they, they retooled their factories to create mass Well, the, the government was giving them money to yeah. do just that, to be able to... to uh, they were giving them all types of tax breaks and all incentives, financial right. incentives. Here, take a, you could be in a purse factory, take the purse factory, and then put, and then... And then turn it into a mask factory. Yeah, and they were they were getting hand over fist. I mean, that's what certain people did extremely well on this thing. Slightly, slightly, slightly ridiculous. I, and the thing is, that, like for for school next year, as you're a teacher and my significant other are a teacher, now there's uh, you know now things are going to start going uh, going back to normal. That students do not have to worry about wearing masks. By the time things are going to go back to school, I'm sh- mask will mask will be uh, will be uh, will be fine and uh, and. Uh, I found the gone. idea of students putting on masks in schools. I found that r- a ridiculous idea too. Since the science, I, I followed the science. I actually read the reports and I I, I listened to the scientists, and the science said that uh, that children children may you know you know the risk of children getting the disease was minimal. And the risk of children passing the disease was minimal, so mm-hmm. so so forcing kids to choke on masks in school seemed a little torturous to me. It seemed like a little bit of overkill. And I know I used to, in the summer when it was brutally hot. And I know I'm and using like, the word overkill a lot in this conversation, but um, but but that's exactly yeah. what it was. It was crazy overkill. It was yeah. the government saying, "Oh, we're going to be overly cautious," and then the school unions, the unions, really pushed it. And pushed it to an end that was stupid, where teachers aren't going back to school unless children can wear masks. I mean, the unions went crazy for no reason. All they had to do was tell their union members and make a deal with the school boards that the union members who are immunocompromised that may have a problem if they catch COVID. Because as we know, 98.8% of the people who caught COVID had no ill effects and, uh, and they were able to... Um, they were able to survive it and, and, and be fine with it. It was just a mild flu uh-huh. for them. 98%, over 98% of the people who got it. So the people who are immunocompromised, who had the most um, extreme reactions to COVID, uh, the union could have made a deal for them to say, that okay, they don't have to come back. They can still get paid, but they don't come back. Uh-huh. But to force everybody to wear masks and choke yeah, in no, schools? They, no, yeah, yeah, exactly. It was no, just I ridiculous. It was, it, was, it was bordering on ridiculous. And the fact that they don't recognize uh, people who have been double, uh, double vaccinated, travelers who are coming to Canada who have been double vaccinated, who have been fully vaccinated, mm-hmm. and they don't, and they don't, um, it's, just, it's just been dumb. Uh, in my opinion, it's, it's been dumb. And, and we've been following it like little sheeple. Except for the uh, couple of hundred people who have gone out to protest every now and then, we've been following it like little sheeple, and yep. it's quite scary. If you ask me, that's the scariest part of this whole thing. Uh, the thing that scares me the most is that we've been following it like little sheep, and um, and it is you amazing. Know, we were frightened. We were. It is amazing how how quick we were to give up our civil rights. Yeah, because you know what, people were so scared, and people said, you know what. I'm putting my hands in the government. They they seem to know everything. So people are scared and they said, you know what? Then they know something I've done, so I'm going to give up my, my freedom. I'm going to give up my individual freedom. That's what a lot of people did. And people were really scared. People didn't know people didn't know what to do. People didn't know how to think. The government was doing everything everything for them. And they weren't one hundred percent following and the the data, the research changed every single week. There was always something different. We didn't know if we were coming or going. That's true because they the way they presented it to you and the media didn't help at all. 
oh, it was terrible. The it media. Was like I would say, you know, this would be, okay, the certain masks that are coming out, the triple or double, or, is really going to be fantastic against infections and this and that. And the next thing you know, a week, two weeks later, no, it didn't make much of a difference. Or you could have gone back to the disposable mask. You could have gone into the regular cloth mask. At one point they said the cloth mask was better. At one point they said that the, the disposable mask were better. It was like Kim and then at the end of the what to do. And at the end of the day, Sheldon, if you uh, read the emails that were released by Fauci, none of the masks really mattered. Yeah, I was going crazy. I was looking at the research too, and I was going, what the hell do I tell people? Like, you know, and... Could you imagine you're a newscaster, you're doing this, and you're reading, and you're getting all these things that are coming in, and you're reading one thing one week, and then next week you're reading something that's completely different, completely, like, not even on the same page. Well, the, news, the, was, the news was complicit in, uh, in scaring the population. They were working with the government to scare the population. Yeah, I'm tending to think that way, too. I'm tending to think, like, the media was just like a, another extension yet of the government to try to scare the living daylights out of the population. They were the government's this, propaganda office. Yeah. So, really, really scary. They really were. Yeah. I mean, now I'm hoping, you know, in the summers, you know, the weather's getting better. I mean, I think the only thing now would be nice. We can go down to the Just for Last Festival, buddy boy. Go down, get, you know, go down. Go down. Look, you know, today... First time I was taking a walk with my significant other in St. Denis Street. I don't remember the last time I took a walk in the city of Montreal. I haven't been downtown, Howie, in three years Yeah, in my own city. Three years. Last time I was there, I went to an Apple store to get my, to get my iPad fixed. That was the last time I was downtown. I haven't gone downtown. And, and today I was walking. Usually I would walk like in a neighborhood park or walk near where I live. I was walking down St. Denis. I felt like I was a complete foreigner. I felt like I felt so strange. Were you wearing my a mask? Yeah, I was wear I was wearing a mask because I also saw so many other people wearing masks. Why were you wearing yep. a mask outside? You know what? It's just, you know what? It's it's like, like I was brainwashed. It's like it didn't even dawn upon me. I just right away took the mask out and I put the mask on. I mean, when I was driving the car, I wasn't wearing the mask. As soon as I got out, it was a reflex action. Both my significant other and I, we put on a mask and we walked outside. You do realize that uh, your chance of catching COVID outside. Is, I know is almost zero, and you do know, realize. It, but it's mostly like if I come in contact with people, like like usually if I was walking in a neighborhood park around here and I there was nobody around me or whatever, or the same thing with Mike significant other. There's nobody around us. We won't. We'll keep the mask handy, but we will take the mask off. But you do you do know if, that if we come across with other people, then you know, then I, I it's almost like a reflex action again, Howie. But you like, do you do know that with 57 cases in the entire province. I know, I, but yeah, I didn't chances. even know the research today, like what you, until you told me today. But 57, yeah, that was a heck of a drop. I think just a few days ago it was just about 180 yeah. or 100 or something. Yeah. So uh, with 57 people in the province, your chance of catching COVID walking down St. Denis yeah. Street outside yeah. is at 0%. But I was actually also amazed, too. There were not a lot of people walking on St. Denis Street, which is a main for people who are not in how many stores were How many stores were closed? Or, there were uh, or a lot up. of stores that were closed. I saw a lot of boarded-up stores. There were a fair amount. I was in the round, around the area of Mount Royal, Villeneuve, um, and that area, and there were quite a few stores closed. I was, but I wasn't surprised. And I could only imagine. I mean, I don't know if you've been on St. Catherine Street recently. I don't know, but I heard St. Catherine Street is a disaster. Have a, well, there's a lot of construction going on. Yeah, especially around Blurry, like near the Cacti the Spectacular. That. There was a lot of construction. There was construction there three years ago. 
Well, it's still but construction. I was, well, well, I was I was at the bay uh, a couple of weeks ago. I was uh, okay. So at the right bay, there, so right was, around there. I was right on the corner of St. Catherine and uh, Union. Yeah. And uh, you couldn't go farther. Phillips Square. Yeah, you couldn't go farther. The entire side of so, Phillips Square was closed from where um, from where oh. the bay from where the bay ended all the way down to Cartier de Spectac was all closed. Yeah, I know they're building something over the bay there. I think they're building a, a condominium or some kind of a, yeah, of course, a skyscrapers. Yeah. Yeah, I forget what they were, but they were building something over the bay. But aside uh, from yeah. uh, aside from that, they're building. They they have all the streets ripped up there. I mean, you can't drive oh. through anywhere. Yeah, it's, it's all closed it's up. And now Valerie Plant, uh, she redid St. Catherine, so there's no parking on St. Catherine anymore. So when you bring your car downtown, it's hard to find parking. So well, uh, Valerie Plant is anti-car. Yeah, uh, and Cordaire is pro-car. Yeah, but he's so not going to put he's not going to put the parking back on St. Catherine. I don't know what he's got. I know I don't know what he was going to do. I don't know what he, uh, he was the one. I think originally wanted the heated streets on St. Catherine. Uh, sorry, heated sidewalks on St. Catherine Street. It was a smart idea. And, Val, and, and Valerie Plant uh, dismissed it. Yeah, it was a very smart idea. I like the idea. Yeah, I like the idea. It would have been nice to walk on St. Catherine Street and not doing you know not doing a pirouette for the you know for the Tokyo for the Winter Olympic Games somewhere. You know, yeah, it would have been fun to watch though. Well, you know, I've got to tell I, I, you I would something. Love to, I would love to see Sheldon figure skating. i got to tell you something. This you would talk be amazing. About figure skating. Let me share you a little story. When I went to McGill a few years ago, yeah. I registered in 2014. So in, I was registering for January. So I'm going down. It was just after the Christmas holidays, and the offices were still were open, but the university was still closed. And I was on top of university, uh, university and um, Pine. So you know there's, there is a downhill yeah, when you're walking down, it's fairly River, steep. It's downhill. Yeah, yeah. So I'm walking down, and everything is going hunky dory, and I'm having my boots on, and all like of a sudden I hit a patch of ice, and I start seeing the poles going on the right side, epis increasing speed, and I had to hold on to a pole to almost stop myself from going in the middle of the intersection of Sherbrooke and University, and I can tell you, Howie. I did a triple sal cow. You wouldn't believe I would have won gold medals. I almost did the splits. I almost changed my voice. I, 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 I did a lot of different things. That pirouette, you would have been very proud of me. You would have but probably Sheldon, put me in. I am to, telling you. You have to look at the cream on top of the cake, Sheldon. At least you had the pole position. I had the pole position, yes. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much for that. <laughs> oh. oh, help. Uh, yeah, yeah, the pole position is the advantage in a car race, Sheldon. Definitely. You're the front car. Yeah. Yeah. And I figured that if I did not hold on to that last pole, I would have been the next pizza delivery for Domino's. Oh, that would have been cool. Because I, I would have been flattened by a truck and a bus. Ah, pizza, pizza. <laughs> yes. Um, Domino, Domino's, Domino's delivers, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, Sheldon? Oh, is, is the, I just wanted to ask you one thing <laughs> yeah. on a local note. Yeah. Is uh, not that I'm doing any commercials for them, or you're doing any commercials for them. Is uh, Pizza Pizza back in its original location, or they're still where the pizza used to be on the Carry Square? They're at the Carry Square. Okay, so they're still there. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, they're re- they're building a condo where their old location was. Oh, so they're going to stay where they are now. Uh, they're not. They're not moving again, or they're going to move back to the way it used. Their plan was. I'm not sure if it's still their plan was that after they finished building their condo, they'd be on the first floor of the condo building. They would have oh, okay, there. okay, okay. 
one 669 1292 is the number to call. one 669 1292 Get in on a conversation here on the Howie Silberger Show. My name is Howie Silberger. He is and Sheldon wildly, Eric Freed. He wildly loves to hear from you. I, I, I do love to hear from them. Yeah, but you ploudly, not I, proudly, I, but ploudly love I to ploudly, hear from me. I'm ploudly here tonight, as I yes. said before. I'm ploudly here. Uh, ploudly here to, uh, to you know, I'm, I'm ploud to do the show. Yes. Very ploud. Um, Absolutely. All right. So there have been a couple of changes on True Talk Radio, Sheldon. A couple of changes. There has? Yeah. Yep. Tell. So uh, we, we've added a new show this week. It seems like every week we're adding new shows. Well, that's excellent. That's always excellent. So, so this week we added uh, Rick Keane's music scene. He is, uh, he is airing in the slot where Dino Manzoni's um, sidebar is going to air eventually. Uh, he's on between 8 and 9 p.m. Uh, once Dino comes on live, uh, Rick's show will move to 4 to 5 p.m. But uh, right now he's on between 8 and 9 p.m. It's an excellent show. You should catch it. You should, uh, you should try it out. Um, he, uh, Rick has interviewed uh, 6,000, 7,000 musicians and artists. Wow. And uh, he shares some of those interviews and a lot, of, uh, a lot of their music on the show. And he talks a little bit about their history. It's, it's, it's extremely interesting. If you're interested in music... This is a great music show to to listen to. Rick Keane's music scene on True Talk Radio. Uh, okay. He is. Uh, you can visit his website at rickkeane'smusicscene.com. Uh, it is a it is a great show and a great uh, from a great guy. So Rick Keane's music scene, amazing. Welcome aboard, Rick. Welcome home, buddy. Uh, we are adding. We are going to be adding a bunch more shows coming up. It's uh, there's a lot of stuff in the pipeline. It's not quite ready yet, and so until it's ready, I hesitant to talk about it. Um, we've added uh, Dr. Lori Batito and John Paul's uh, passion to True Talk nice. Radio lineup. Um, uh, we, um, we're, 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 ta- we're in talks about doing other stuff with them, so we'll see what happens. But right now, uh, right now you can hear Passion every night at, uh, at 11 o'clock, 11 to midnight. It is the same show every night. That's the question I keep getting. It is the same show every night. The new show is there on Tuesday. And then after Tuesday, we re-aired the Tuesday show for the rest of the week. So if you missed it on Tuesday, don't worry. You can always catch it on any other night of the week uh, at, at 11 p.m. Don't worry. Be happy. Always be happy. And, uh, you know, when we talk about 11 p.m., we can't talk about the, uh, the show right before them, which is, um, which, is, which is this crazy little music show we have on True Talk Radio. Who? Called, um, called Inside the Vault. Inside the Vault, that with, name rings a bell, Epis. With Who Gram- is that guy that's behind the microphone? Inside the Vault with Grandpa Sheldon. Hey, it's, come on. <laughs> it is a... Um, I is, just made you happy of an announcement I made. You always there. make me happy, Sheldon. Okay, thank you. Don't worry, be happy. Inside Have the you Vault... You know the, the person, one of my favorite people on True Talk Radio? Who's that? For people that are interested, all people that are interested... And Howie Silberger, if nah. you really want to know what the heck the guy's all about, he's a hack. you want to know what interesting music that he'll play on commercial radio, Total hack. you've heard it here first, my friend, my co-administrator, the person that brought me on board, the person that seems to look like he's wearing a purple shirt, but he's wearing a red shirt, the person that you can no longer tweet, I know what you're my talking friend about. and all, I'm wearing a black shirt. Yeah, okay. Shirt's black, Sheldon. Okay, but it's purple in the lighting. You might be a little colorblind. The shirt is black. Uh, Okay. um, And, of course, we have Peter Anthony Holder's The Stuff File Program. Yep. 
And we have Frank Cotolo, Cotolo's Chronicles. Cotolo Chronicles is the first internet radio show. It's been airing since the beginning of the internet radio. It's the first show and the longest running show on internet radio. And uh, it airs here on True Talk Radio. It's been airing on True Talk Radio since 2004. I thought you were the longest show that was airing on True Talk Radio. Cotolo uh, came on on day two. I started the Howie Silberger show probably on week three. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. He's been on True Talk Radio longer than I've been on True Talk Radio. Okay, there's something. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, and uh, who else was on in 2004? Mark Pezzolato, the voice, uh, the voice that you hear on my liners. He had a show called The Gumbo Show in 2004. The Gumbo Show. Yeah. Okay. And um, that was basically a show that introduced, uh, introduced the world to uh, independent Canadian music bands. Oh, excellent. And he had that show. He ran that show for a few years on the show, on the, on the station. So uh, he uh-huh. was one of the uh, first people to, uh, to host a show exclusively for True Talk Radio. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of cool. My show. I can't believe Frank went on before you. Frank went on before me, yeah. The, the, the person who founded True Talk Radio yes. was on second. Yep. All right. Yeah, I, I, my show was not the original show. Uh, was not okay. one of the original shows on True Talk Radio. Jeez, and I thought you were on first. Well, well I could. was on second. I, yes, you know. thank you, Abbott. Uh, I, couldn't, um, I, couldn't, uh, I couldn't host a show because I was under contract with another radio station. Oh, gee. Okay, that's why. Okay. And so once my contract, once my voice contract ran out with another radio station, I was able to put a, okay. I was able to put a show on my radio station. You see, that's what ah, happened. Ah, okay. That, that happens occasionally, that you get stuck in a contract. and uh, Yeah, because then what's on second, it's no good if who's on first, right? That's right, exactly. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Only if Chinese people are playing baseball. Also, yeah. definitely. Thank you. Exactly. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two is the number to call. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. You could get on the conversation. I can't imagine why you would want to, but you can get in on the conversation if you just give us a call. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. I'll even pay for the call. How about that? I'll, we'll I'll we'll even be proud of all of you to call in, and I'll be proud to pay for the bill. Okay, I will be proud to pay okay. for it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Sheldon making fun of my speech impediments. It's oh, good. you get yourself into these situations. Uh, it my doesn't friend, bother me. I don't mind. It doesn't bother okay. me. No, there's, no, there's nothing to worry about. I almost feel like I'm talking Elma Fudd. Elma Fudd. Ah, uh, you wabbit. Okay. Really? My significant other is listening to me be silent. She's probably thinking I'm on a different world right now. I'm not even on champagne. Get the champagne, sweetheart! The question is, Sheldon, what is in that glass you keep drinking from? That is the big question. It's 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 a clear liquid. It's a clear liquid, but we're just not sure what it is. This is water. It hasn't bubbled yet. Sure, water. Okay, we'll put water in quotation marks. It's water. No, this this is water. She poured it for me. Okay. (laughs) Yes, it's water. Yes. Okay. We we got it. We understand. We understand. Thank you. It's water. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Call Mm -hmm. it water. Yes. Sheldon's special water. Yes. Uh, as, as you said, so anybody funny. that wants to call in and chime in, although we don't know why you're going to call in and chime in about my special water, Sheldon, the um, yes, there is another court challenge coming up against uh, against that stupid uh, language bill. And another uh, one, yeah, another one. Never thought. Um, I I don't think it's going to be successful. 
Has any uh, any one of them been successful? Well, no, because the liberal government, the federal liberal government under under Pierre Trudeau, really screwed us when he agreed to the province's demands that they put a notwithstanding clause in the yep. uh, in the constitution. Yep. Now, how the Quebec government could use the notwithstanding clause and not get shot down in court because remember, Quebec never signed the constitution. Mm-hmm. So since they never signed the Constitution, why do clauses of the Constitution still apply to them? So I, I don't understand the legality of the whole thing. And if you're a lawyer out there, please call me to explain it to me. Because I don't understand the legality of the whole thing. If Quebec never signed the Constitution, 1980, they refused to sign the Constitution because the Constitution didn't declare Quebec a distinct, uh, a distinct and separate society. So they absolutely refused to sign the Constitution. If they chose not to sign the Constitution but decided to keep their alliance with Canada, uh, which they had the right to do, uh, why would the clauses of the Constitution apply to Quebec? Now, if the clauses, the clauses of the Constitution didn't apply to Quebec, then shouldn't the notwithstanding clause not be available to the Quebec government? And that's not what the notwithstanding clause was made to do in the first place. Right, that too. But, yeah. but they've ever since Barassa uh, started using it, every single Quebec government has used the notwithstanding clause. And even if certain parts of the bill would be shot down in uh, Quebec Superior Court or uh, Quebec Superior Court or whatever, right away they go to the notwithstanding clause. And I'm sitting, I'm staying, staying, I'm sitting there. I'm going, what a hop, what a hock of bullcrap! Like it was, to me, it absolutely preposterous. It is preposterous. It's preposterous that any government would have a clause saying. Uh, we could pass a law and bypass the Charter of Human Rights and bypass your rights because we want to pass a law that's going to oppress you. I don't get it. And Trudeau wants, is Trudeau is now going to allow uh, Bill 101 and federally regulated, uh, uh, no, sorry, Trudeau was very concerned about the situation with the French language. Quote, concern. O'Toole is also, uh, for the Conservatives, was pro was was also for Bill One Hundred One, so then I'm saying to myself, who the heck am I? Who are we going to vote for? You know, if the uh, if the government, the federal government, was really concerned about their citizens, rather than the language of their citizens, uh, they could have used uh, they could have used a, a a never used clause in the Constitution called um, disallowance, right? Where the federal mm-hmm. government could say we disallow this law in the province. It's against the uh, constitutional rights of the people in the in the province, and we disallow this law. And if the Canadian government decide to do that, the law is gone. But the Canadian government never had the balls to do it, and that's really what it comes no, down to. Because they also know that they're going to lose the Quebec voters, so to speak. But again, if you got to think in terms of percentages, it's twenty percent, if not less than that. Of these idiots that number one would put in anonymous complaints when going into business and then co- con- contacting the OQLF. Let me it's tell you, Sheldon. I, I don't know. I had a um, I had a, uh, a a store on Saint Catherine on the Saint Catherine on uh, Queen Mary. Sorry, it was on Saint Catherine. It was on Queen Mary, opposite side okay. of town. I had a store on Queen Mary, and in my window, I had a huge, huge, two huge bay windows in the front of the store, and in my window, I had one sign in English and one sign in French. I did it on purpose because I, I felt that, you know, I have a lot of English customers, I have a lot of French customers. There was no reason that I shouldn't have a sign, uh, you know, uh, catering to both, right? So I put up a sign. They were equal size, equal, equal size, equal lettering in English and in French in my front window. 
didn't take more than five days before the OQLF showed up mm, to geez. measure the sign. Right? It was up for maybe five days before the OQLF showed up. I refused to let them in, and they came with a warrant to come in and measure my signs. Okay, so they came in and measured the signs, and they, uh, and they said, oh, well, um, because they're facing outside of the store, they have to be, the French has to be predominant over the English, so the French has to be double the size of the English, and therefore I have to remove the signs and you know, put up new signs with French double the size of the English. So I said, oh, okay. I said, that's because they're facing outside, right? And they said, yeah, that's because they're facing outside. So what I did was I went and I made a sign that was double-sided. So there was a sign facing inside and a sign facing outside. It was the same sign. So there was a okay. double-sided sign with the same material on each side, same information on both sides of the sign. One facing inside, one facing outside. And they came back and they said, hey, we told you you had to change the sign. I said, I did. Now it's an inside sign. And they looked. And sure enough, it was an inside sign. So what could they do? They could tell me to change the sign again, <coughs> which I would have refused and taken the fine and gone to court with. Or they could have just let me go. I thought the argument was stupid. I thought the whole thing was stupid. Um, I have a right as a business owner to, to, to deal with my customers in the way I have to deal with my customers to make money. That's my business, not theirs. So for them to tell me how I could run my business. Well, that's, that's it. I thought that's we were a capitalistic society where I have here. the right to run my business any way I want to write my business. This is communism or, or fascism to some point. Thank you. And that's what bothers me about it. Yep. The fascist aspect of it. Like, why come and bother me? Why, 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 why drive me crazy for nothing? So at the end of the day, they didn't, they didn't pursue me, but, um, but, but they could have because I was, like, really flaunting it in their face. Right? And after I changed the sign, I did a double-sided sign. They, they weren't overly happy. Let's put it that way. But they couldn't do anything. They couldn't do anything, but they weren't overly happy with it. Uh, but uh, who cares? That's, that's my... Uh, I've always made the argument. They say that French is in peril in Montreal and the French language is in peril. I've always made the argument. The Italians, Greeks, Jews, Hindus, um, Hindus, Sri Lankans, uh, Indians, all have their own distinct languages and they all teach their children their languages from their homeland. Because then they teach them their culture, their languages, and their heritage. All these, all the minority groups that I know of teach their children because it's mm -hmm. important to them to pass it on to the next generation. Yep. So they teach their children their language. They teach their children their, um, their, 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 uh, their, their customs. They teach their children their, their heritage. If there's special cooking dishes and whatever, they teach their children how to do all that. If you walk into certain areas of town where there are Hasidic Jews, you hear Yiddish being spoken on the street among kids. Why mm -hmm. are they speaking Yiddish? Because their parents taught them how to speak Yiddish. Why did their parents yeah. teach them how to speak Yiddish? Because that's their culture. Mm -hmm. If you walk into other areas of town, there are kids who are speaking Italian to each other on the street. Why are they speaking Italian? Because that's their culture. And it was important for their parents to teach them the culture and to keep the culture alive. And they did. And they taught their kids Italian. If French was so important to the French people, why are they not teaching their kids the way all these immigrant communities are? Exactly. Why do you have to legislate it? If it was that important to the French, then they should be teaching their kids French. They should be working in French. Their kids should learn to love the French language. But now they have to restrict access. They're trying to restrict access to English CJEPs, to yep. English colleges, because too many French kids want to go and learn English. And you know what's going to wind up happening? More people and more people are going to start moving out of here again. Yeah, well, There'll that's... be more people that'll, that'll, that'll go. They're going to say, you know what, I've had it. 
You know, because health- they, they're going to have a certain cap on the enrollment on on uh, Quebec English language CGIPS. You know, the uh, the housing boom that we're seeing now is going to is going to burst. It's going to burst when people start selling their homes because they're fleeing the province again. Yeah, and it's going to happen. Gonna do, it's going it's it's to happen. happen. Yeah, it's just a matter of time. Yeah, it's going to happen because people are going to get fed up. Well, Look, my my kid my kids are going to wind up moving uh, moving out of here. Yeah. My kids are in their 30s. They're going to move out of here. They're, they don't want to stay here. Well, this draconian, the draconian laws that we're talking yeah. about here, unless they start loosening up on these laws a little bit and start allowing people to live their lives, I mean, there's, there's the really thing a is, point. The international language of business is not French. It's English. Yeah. Quebec is surrounded by everybody in English. Quebec can still have its own distinct... This, this, and like you said, French-speaking people could, te- you know, could teach their kids... They can go to French-speaking schools. And look, even the French-speaking people that are educated, they want their kids to learn other languages. It's only these 10 or 15 or 20% of, of the Pure Land Québécois that don't want their kids to learn any other language and want them to stay here. Yeah, people and like... I've, and yeah. Howie, I've seen this myself. I don't know if you've seen this when you went to Florida. I've seen it in Florida, and I've heard stories about from other people. French-speaking people will go to, let's say, Miami. Will go to Florida. Yeah. They'll go to a restaurant. They'll go to a, 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 a and I and I've seen it. There was a restaurant called Wolfie's. Okay. I don't know. You must have heard of it. Yeah. So you know, we would go there, and all everybody I knew from Montreal, I would meet there. Like you know, it was such a big Canadian hangout. And I would go, and I would I would order, and I obviously order in English, whatever. And I'm hearing these French-speaking people. They're a family, and they're they're going. Okay, they're talking to one another in French. Okay, fine. They're going to the waitress, and they're order. They're or, they're making an order in French. The waitress doesn't understand them, and and the and the father is giving the waitress so much grief because the waitress doesn't speak French. Excuse me, you're in the United States of America. You're not in Quebec. The hell with you. You don't like it. Then go somewhere else. Go right. to France. Go to Martinique. Go to Guadeloupe. Go back to France. Go back to Quebec. Go back to Quebec and leave leave the effing people alone. Who the hell, you know, who died and made you president? Yeah. Like, talk about entitlement. Like, come on. Where do you think this entitlement comes from, Sheldon? Why do you think they feel that way? Because they think that they have it back home. They could bring Quebec to the rest of the world. That's how they do it. You think it. that's what it is? Well, how else would they be doing it? I mean, because they say, look, there's a lot of Americans. Let's say they'll, they'll go over to England from New York. And they think because they're from the States, you know, I want to have things here now. I'm from the States. I'm the greatest country in the world. I want to have my food now on the plate. No. You know, when you go to a country, you go to a province, you respect the laws and you respect the people in it. Or you stay the hell back home. And stay in your own house. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry. That if you and I would know better if you and I, let's say, were to go to France. And, and maybe a lot of people would not speak English. But I know Paris, they would cater to tourists, so they would speak English. But if we had to speak French, we understand it because we're going to a French-speaking country. Right. You know, if we don't like it, then we'll go to England or we'll go to other places that speak English. We won't, we, go, we won't go to a country that we're not maybe comfortable enough to speak. So isn't that the argument that the French make when it comes to English people living in Quebec? 
if you take a look at the Montreal coat of arms, yeah, it's not only the French, only the French part in the coat of arms. There's the English part of the coat of arms. Uh, just take a look okay. at the last names of some of the French people, Bouchard and Tremblay. These are all Irish last names. So Yeah. And you know what? It's funny. You take a look at Bouchard. He married a wife from California. Yeah. Parizeau went to the London School of Economics. Right. Okay. René Levesque was fluently bilingual. Yeah. I mean... So is, uh, so is uh, François Legault. François... Yeah. François Legault is... Uh, is, is, is well... Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, you know, they they know that they cannot get by only in French. They they even see it. You, you can see it. And if you like, if you saw René Levesque, he was fluently English. Like you could speak English. His English was impeccable. Yeah, his English was fantastic, and he had personality. He wasn't he was not afraid. You know, even though he was he was for the Parti Québécois at the time. But, you, you know, so a lot of these people married Americans, went to, uh, I think Bouchard had a place in uh, California. He would go to California. They had a house in California or something because her side of her family was in California. So they would visit. They had a house there. Right. They had a place out there. So, so they went there. And it's funny that Robert Barassa, when he had cancer, he didn't go to France. He didn't stick in Montreal. He went to the United States of America to get Cancer. I can guarantee that when he went across the United States, he had to speak English. He spoke in perfect English, too. Yeah. So, you know what? Put it up, Buttercup. You don't like it? Take a long walk off a short pier. That's exactly how I feel. You don't like it tough. This is a, you know, you can't call Montreal a cosmopolitan city and have these ridiculous language laws forced upon a cosmopolitan city. You're either one or the other. And you got the same, you got the stupid idiot mayor. That's the same thing. There's not one politician that has the wherewithal and the courage to stand up for both sides. Put it up, buttercup. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I like it. I, I, I like it. Put it up, buttercup. Yep. There was a song actually called Build Me Up, Buttercup. I remember by that, the, yeah. By, by the foundations. Yeah. 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 I yeah. That. yeah. Yeah. So there. Yeah, put it. I up, got a little bit of my oldies show. Love it. Wrapped up into this. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but I agree with you. The mayor of Montreal is uh, is obviously a separatist, and she's well, obviously she, she's not going to win the next election anyway. She's finished. You think? Oh yeah. You think Cordero's oh, coming so back? Much, there's so much hatred towards this mayor. But you think Denis Cordero's coming back? I mean, there was a lot of hatred towards him too. Yeah, well, the thing was, I, I wasn't crazy about him putting the granites in, in Mount Royal. I figured there's a little bit more things he could do with the money. But you, you didn't think that it was smart to put granite, granite, um, granite tree stumps in a forest? I mean, just, oh. just, <laughs> I, I, mean I thought it was funny. I, I really thought it was funny. Well, I, I thought it was a waste of money, but I thought it was pretty funny. And wasn't put... it also? Wasn't he also part of the big gazebo that was done for Mordecai Richler? That was in the cost that like cost overruns. Yeah, like at the almost like <laughs> it was, it was like a hundred million fifty fifty thousand. Yeah, it was like a hundred million dollars for a gazebo. Yeah, 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 exactly. I, I think I think that was also and it took, Dar's thing. And it took oh, like a it took like a dozen years to build. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God! And I would pass by there going to McGill University, and I was like, "Going, oh, you've got to be kidding me!" <laughs> and they would take, they would put it up, and you think, "Oh, they're just about ready," and all of a sudden, tear down, and you see the whole gazebo is like smashed. Right. 
And look at the stores on Saint Boulevard and St. Catherine with all the, I mean, one point they needed pipes. So all of a sudden they decided to dismantle the, the sidewalks. So instead of, let's say, putting the, the, the pipes and then designing the sidewalks and then putting everything up and then putting everything. No, 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 no. They have to do it the Montreal construction way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, open up the sidewalks, take out the pipes, close the sidewalks. Yeah. Open up the sidewalks, put in the pipes, close the sidewalks. Open up the sidewalks, do the drainage, close the sidewalks. Just for laughs, it, ha- it happened. Uh, it happened two or three times when you, you and I were walking down. I remember. Going, really again? <laughs> open and close, and open and close. That's very good for business, by the way. Yeah, very. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really helps the uh, business owners Unbe- there. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm laughing about it, but it's really not funny because people lost their businesses over this. I yeah, I, mean, I the, feel bad, for, but this is something out of a Saturday Night Live live thing. I mean, this is ridiculous. I remember on Bishop Street, right next to Concordia University, there was a uh, restaurant called Ferrari. It was there for 100 years. Oh, I remember that place. Sure. And then they closed up Bishop Street for three years. They just blocked the street off. They didn't do anything on the street. They just blocked the street off for three years. Yeah. And the poor guy went out of business. Well, also the comedy club, uh, forget the comedy, it was a comedy club on Bishop Street. They went out of business yeah, also. Comedy Works. Comedy Works, yeah. They, they went out of business. Yeah, because the street was closed for three years. Yeah. How do you stay in business when nobody could get to your restaurant? No, unless you take a helicopter and land on the roof, maybe. Yeah, but but it was yeah. crazy. And then they put a big sign saying, the restaurants are open, walk through here, and you'd... And well, I never went to those restaurants, but I used to watch people trying to find a way to get into them. And it, it was kind of amusing watching them, but it wasn't funny for the restaurant owners. It was like Pac-Man, Howie. It really it was. It was like going through different mazes. It well, was like Pac-Man, either, like either this. Pa- either Pac-Man or Frogger, one of the two. Yeah, yeah, or Mario yeah. Brothers or Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, it was, da, a, it was da, a video da, game. Da, 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 it was a crazy da, video game and it was kind of stupid. Da, 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 da. Really? That's what people would do, yes. Were they singing as they were doing it? Yes, Wow, that's Thank very you. special. It's amazing, eh? I, I, I wasn't around to hear the people singing, but uh, I wish I was. I, I, I wish you were too. That would have been a lot of fun to uh, definitely to, to hear people singing the music of these old video games as they tried I to was, cross the street and get into the restaurant. I could see you playing Mario Brothers. I, da, 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 da. The, only, <laughs> the only Mario game I ever played, Sheldon, the only one I ever played... Was yeah. Donkey Kong? That was the only Mario game I ever played. No, you. Oh, okay. That was that was it. Donkey I Kong. never played anything besides Donkey Kong. Okay. I used to be very good at Donkey Kong. I was very very good at Donkey Kong. I won't tell I won't tell anybody that you actually did that, even though you just said that publicly what, on the air. Did now. I play Donkey Kong? Yeah. I like Donkey Kong. I, it was a good game. You like Donkey Kong? Okay. Yeah, you had a you had a you had a you had a big gorilla throwing barrels yeah. down at you. You had to go yeah. and save the princess. Yeah, you must have gone ape for that, eh? I, I was, I, I really went ape for yeah. that. Yeah, I went bananas over that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the joke lacks appeal. Sorry. Yeah, I used to play with my friend Darwin. Darwin? Yeah, yeah. We okay. used to play together. Was he a leftist? No, uh, he was. Uh, he was an apist. Okay. Yeah. Not predator. No, no. no. Okay. Yeah. Well, I see by the clock on the wall, Sheldon. It's time to bid you one and all. You know, it's been a lot of fun, Howie. You know. Goodbye. Fair my significant, my Adieu. significant other is looking at me now, and she really person. thinks that I really need. Thank you. Goodbye until we meet yep. again. To steal okay. a line from Wayne and Schuster. Yes. Thank you very, very much, and we'll see you next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. Oh, now you're stealing lines from Batman. I went yes. to Wayne and Schuster. You went to Batman. 
Same yes. era. Yes. One was Canadian, one was American. I exactly. decided to go Canadian. You decided to go American. Well, because uh, you know we liked we, we we liked to eventually open up the borders one day between Canada and the United States. Eh? Well, it's supposed to open up uh, on the twenty first. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll see if that happens. Okay. Do you think it will? I hope. But do you think it will? I hope. Uh, yeah, I think it will. I think going into the summer, I think, yeah, I think it's going. I, there's going to be a lot of pressure. People owning property and all this. I think there's. I think they'll open it up, yeah. Well, judging by the fact that we only have, what, uh, uh, 150 cases in all of the province yeah, of Quebec? Yeah, it's unbelievable, eh? Yeah, and we're still in the red zone? Still in the red zone. Until yeah. tomorrow. At midnight, we're not in the red zone anymore, Sheldon. Howie, it's been fun. At it's midnight, really we're actually in the yellow zone, Sheldon. Midnight. So midnight tonight is the yellow. We're going into the yellow zone. Yellow. Okay. The P zone, Sheldon, the P zone. They call they call me mellow yellow quite lightly, yeah. Yes, thank you, Dion. All right, thank so you. that's it. We're, we're all out of time. Howie, it's been fun. Uh, it has been. It always is. It always thank will you. be. Thank I you. will be back on Tuesday with Political Hitman right here on truetalkradio.com and I uh, invite you to uh, download the True Talk Radio Network app from your favorite app store it's available everywhere and I also invite you to tune into all of our fine programming here on truetalkradio.com including uh, Inside the Vault with Uncle Sheldon thank you and if you missed my Inside the Vault show on Monday it it repeats Tuesday to Friday of the same week yeah we hope we hope we hope yeah thanks And don't forget the new show, Rick Keen's Music Scene and Passion at 11 o'clock every night. Of course, Peter Anthony Holder's show, This Stuff File, which is always a great show. And don't forget the Howie Silberger show. No. Don't forget that. That one you can forget. The second person that came on True Talk Radio. That one, you, that one you can forget because Sheldon's on it. Thank you. <laughs> Flattery will get you everywhere. But don't forget Political Hitman. That's the important one. Can't, can't touch this. Okay. All right, I'm Howie Silberger. He's Sheldon Eric Freed. We will see you again next week right here on truetalkradio.com. He'll see you next week. I'll see you uh, well, he'll see you on Monday and I'll see you on Tuesday. See, we can't even be on the same night of the week, Sheldon. That's that's what that's what it's come down to. It's variety, folks. That's it's what it's come down to, Sheldon. We can't even it's be variety. on the same night of the week anymore. It's variety. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he wants to call it. Okay. Thank you. We'll call it that. We'll call it variety, people. Variety. Yeah. Variety. Variety. All right. We'll see you again.